And if you have a Bible, please turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at... I heard it. I heard some. Well played, children. Galatians 5, 16 through 26, as we continue our sermon series on the book of Galatians. If you're going to use one of the Bibles that we provide underneath the chair in front of you, it's on page 1,155. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. This is God's holy and inspired word. Paul writes, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father in heaven, We thank you that you are our Father, that we can call you Father on account of what our Lord Jesus has done for us in his life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. We pray now that you would fill us with your spirit, that as we look into your word, that you would use it to transform us, to make us more like our Lord Jesus. Uh, We pray that this would be a time where we are equipped uh, by your love and by your mercy to run with the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Uh, There was a successful Irish boxer in the 19th century who was converted to Christianity and then became a preacher. And he was in America and he was in a new town and he happened to be setting up his evangelistic tent And some thugs came along and decided to give him some trouble. And they were insulting him and trying to give him a hard time. And uh, they they knew nothing of his background. Uh, So eventually one of these thugs pressed his luck a little bit and ended up punching this preacher in the face. And keeping in mind Matthew 5.39, the preacher shook it off a little bit and turned the other cheek. At that point, the thug decided to take it further and punched him again on the other side. And so the uh, preacher then took off his jacket and rolled up his sleeves and said, the Lord has given me no further instructions and began to. uh, You got to know what you're up against. And we've been working through the book of Galatians now for several weeks, a couple months. And uh, this morning we're going to be talking about something that we're up against. We're going to be talking about an enemy that we are needing to be fighting against. And uh, we have been celebrating that Christ has defeated death and endured hell on our behalf. 
But that does not leave us without an enemy. In fact, an enemy that's inside of us. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. Uh, Here's the gospel fact for today. Jesus delivered his people from sin's penalty on the cross. And now Jesus is delivering his people from sin's power and the misery that comes with it uh, through the Holy Spirit. It is so essential that we see that salvation is not just being forgiven and declared righteous, which is enough for us to worship God for eternity, but it's actually also continually being right now, being delivered from the power that sin has over us as well. So we're going to look at three things this morning, uh, the freedom and slavery, talk about those things. Uh, then we'll talk about contrary desires and finally the fruit of the spirit, freedom and slavery, contrary desires and the fruit of the spirit. So keep your Bibles open. We're going to be looking at this text and even jumping back a little bit into the uh, earlier part of chapter five. And I would love for you to be looking at God's word as we uh, look at it. Let me give some context here. It's so important that we understand Paul is uh, shifting here doctrinally. Uh, he's not changing to a different doctrine, but he's looking at another doctrine, meaning the chapters one through four have been really focused on justification. Justification is the act where God forgives us of all of our sin, past, present, and future, and declares us to be righteous, and he does so by faith. So we are righteous by faith, not by working for it or trying to be good. We've been talking about that for weeks. Now, in chapter 5 and 6, Paul is shifting to the doctrine of sanctification. Sanctification is also a major part of our salvation. It is the process by which God makes us more like his son. It's the gradual transformation of believers into more Christ-like versions of themselves. So when we put our faith in Christ, we begin a journey where God, by his Holy Spirit, makes us more like Christ. Now, uh, we, could, we will spend more time on this in the future, I'm sure. Justification and sanctification Two separate things, but they do go together. Those who are justified are sanctified, but they're two separate things. Our forgiveness and our righteousness does not come from our growing in our Christ likeness. Separate things, but they are inseparable. More on that in future sermon series. But um, so keeping in mind now, we've been talking about justification. Now we're looking more at sanctification, the process by which God gradually and, and uh, is transforming us to be like his son. With your Bibles open, look back at verse one of chapter five. I just want to point out a couple things that Mike pointed out last week in his excellent sermon. Uh, it's just huge for context of understanding what we're getting into here. Notice in 5 verse 1, Paul says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And then if you continue reading, he refers again to the people who are trying to get the, the Gentile Christians to become circumcised. And he's saying, don't do that. That's slavery. So, so far, we've been looking at the fact that uh, one of the ways that we are enslaved is, is by relying on the law, and we would call that legalism. This morning now, we're going to see Paul shift and spend uh, much of his energy and effort focusing on another type of slavery. Look at 5 verse 13. He says, You, my brothers, were called to be free. So still talking about freedom. He says, but but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And so there he's starting 
uh, to show us another type of slavery. And while he doesn't uh, refer to it as slavery in this passage, in other places, uh, like in Romans 6 and 7, he does. And so we know that Paul equates sin and slavery. And so there's yet another form of slavery. So we have, as followers of Christ, we have two ways that we can fall into Slavery, and that is by relying on the law for our righteousness, which would be legalism, and the other would be rejecting the law, which Mike pointed out last week and referred to it as license. So both of those are slavery, relying on the law or totally disregarding and rejecting the law. Okay. Now, for further context, let's talk about slavery. When Paul would think about slavery... He was primarily thinking about when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. And if you know your Old Testament, you know that story. They were enslaved. They had to make bricks and all these things. And so here's the think about the essence of slavery. What's the essence of being a slave? Ultimately, a slave works really hard, but is never rewarded. A slave Works very hard, but is never rewarded. Think about in Egypt, uh, the Israelites would work hard all day making bricks or whatever it is. And then at the end of the day, do they get to keep that and sell that and use that to uh, put food on their table or something like that? No. All that they've done all day ends up getting taken away to be a benefit to somebody else. The essence of being a slave is working really hard and then not getting anything out of it. And so the reason that we see this connection in Scripture between slavery and works righteousness or slavery and sin is because it's the same result either way you go. If you were to try to work really hard in order to earn righteousness, you would work real hard, but you'd never actually have any righteousness from it because righteousness only comes by faith. And at the same time, if you are seeking to gain things or uh, find joy or satisfaction or life in sin, that too is working really hard to never really get what you're trying to get from it. You can't get these things from sin. This is why in Romans 7.21, Paul says this, what benefit did you reap at the time from the things that you're now ashamed of? He's talking about the same thing in Romans 6 and 7 that he's talking about here in this passage. And he's saying, think about the things you've done in the past. What did you really gain from the sinful stuff you were engaged in? And those of us who are following Christ, we know that nothing good ever really came from our sin. We don't look back on our sin and say, boy, I'm glad I did that. We feel regret, even misery. Sometimes profound misery over the things that we've done in the past. And that's because you cannot get what you think we'll get from sin. It can't deliver the things that we want. And so it's slavery to try to get from sin what it can't give us. Another thing on slavery, if you think about the Israelites in Egypt, they worked hard, they worked hard, they worked hard, and then they did get some sort of reward. You know what it was? Harder work. Eventually, Pharaoh said, I'm going to make it harder on you now, and you can't put straw in your bricks anymore. And so their work got even harder, and that's what sin does. The more we engage in it, the more, our, the more difficult and miserable our, our lives become. So that's the picture. And now that we're focusing on sin and why we wouldn't want to engage in sin, why would, why would we not want to be enslaved to it? It's because freedom does not come through sin. 
because we, you can't get from sin the things that we often try to get. And if we can understand this concept, then that helps us to understand the Bible's position on sin. The Bible is very clear that we are to fight against our sin and fight to obey. And if we understand that sin and engaging in sin is slavery because we never really get from it what we want and that it's not glorifying to God, if we can make that connection between sin and slavery, we don't want to be in slavery and so we wouldn't want to be in sin. And that makes sense that God would not want His children to be enslaved to things that will make them miserable. God is our Father, we talked about in chapter 4. He has adopted us and in the same way that none of us that are parents want our kids to be miserable, God, our Father, does not want us to be miserable. And so he calls us firmly away from the things that he calls sin because those things will never produce what we think they will. They will simply make us miserable and damage our relationship with him. We won't feel like he really loves us. We won't feel like he's truly our father. That's why there's such a strong call to the people of God away from sin so that we can be Free. He loves us too much to not call us away from the things that make us miserable. Now, if you take that, take all that, and then thinking, realizing that we don't want to rely on the law, but we also don't want to reject the law because it's our instructions for actually being free. Think about this then. If the essence of slavery is working really hard and never getting any benefit, then the essence of freedom is what? working hard and getting a reward. We'll come back to that. In the meantime, let's look at verses 16 through 21. 16 through 21, uh, Paul says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Uh, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not... Do what you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. We'll stop there for a minute. And realizing here that as believers, we have these two major influences in our lives, and our freedom depends on who we're submitting to. Our freedom depends on who we are submitting to. Again, Christ has defeated death. He has endured hell for us, but we still have an enemy. And the enemy inside of us that Paul is referring to here as the sin nature is basically the source of our problems, uh, the source of our attraction to sin. The sin nature is who we are apart from Christ, apart from his mercy, apart from his grace upon us. And apart from Christ, we have like an attraction to sin. We're drawn to it. We're drawn to do these things that will not benefit us, but cause us misery and misery to other people. Now, this is a result of the fall. This is what happened to humanity when Adam and Eve sinned. They plunged the human race, so all of us, into an addiction to sin, a love of sin. Now, before we are Christians, we are dominated by that sin nature. We basically do everything it says. After we've come to Christ, he does set us free from that power and we're able to say no. And that 
source of that power is the Holy Spirit himself. So that's where Paul's referring to the Spirit, live by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit not only lives inside of us to remind us that we belong to God and that we're forgiven, but also to show us what's what we're supposed to be doing through God's word and give us power to do it. So the main thing is that we see that these two are at war. There's a war going on inside of us between our flesh, our sin nature, and the Holy Spirit, both of whom have desires for us, both of whom are seeking to lead us. That's why in verse 18, Paul says that if we are led by the Spirit. And so the question is, who is leading us? Who calls the shots in our lives? Is it us? Is it our sin nature? Do we give in? Do we indulge? Or are we trusting the Holy Spirit, listening to his leading in our life through what we see in the word of God? It's so important that we see these two influences, the sin nature who wants to lead us always into slavery and misery and the Holy Spirit who's seeking to lead us always into freedom. It's kind of like we're two people at the same time. Um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Some of you are familiar with that, an old story where this doctor who wanted to be sort of like a good guy, but then he created this potion, and when he drank it, he would become Mr. Hyde, and he would basically become a monstrous type person, and he was kind of going back and forth between the two. Same guy. Uh, Bruce Banner and the Incredible Hulk. Okay, more modern day. Uh, Bruce Banner and the Incredible Hulk, same person, but when he's Bruce Banner, nice guy, trying to help people, then if he gets angry and... We wouldn't like him when he's angry. Um, He becomes the Incredible Hulk, who's really just about destroying things. Another example would be Smeagol and Gollum, if you are uh, familiar with the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And Smeagol and Gollum, same person. If you've seen the movie, this is the creepy salamander, big-eyed guy that gives you nightmares. You know what I'm talking about? Um, So Smeagol is is the person inside that wants to do what the master says. And then Gollum is the one who's saying, no, my precious, we need to get the ring. And, and so there's this, this battle between the two throughout the entire movie, throughout the entire series. But here's the thing. Think about Gollum. Gollum sees that ring as his precious. He's got to have it. That's your sin nature. Because of the fall, you and I see things that God calls sin and we say precious. My precious. And it's the Holy Spirit inside of us saying, no, no, let's do what the master says. Let's follow the master. Let's obey. And so therefore, it is the Holy Spirit who's saying to us, these are the things to do that you will be free. This is how it is to be free while the sin nature is the golem. So acknowledging that. Seeing that, believing that inside of us there is this war and our freedom depends on who we are listening to is absolutely critical or we don't even get in the game. We just keep getting beat up by our sin nature and the way that we've given into it. And so when we see things in Scripture, when we see lists of sin in Scripture, the number one thing for us to do is to see these are the things that will enslave me. These are the things that I want to fight against. And so Paul does so in verse 19. Look at verse 19. Uh, He says, The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, so on and so forth, gives a list that is not exhaustive, by the way. 
There's way more that he could have said. And that's why at the end of that sentence, he says, and the like. He's just giving examples. He's showing the types of things that the sin nature is going to be drawn to, that the sin nature is going to be involved in because it sees something other than God's glory as precious. Okay. And so, uh, and, and another thing is this. Look at verse 21, because this, this is critical here. Verse 21, he says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that works righteousness voice inside will go, see, see, I knew it. We do have to be good or we'll go to hell. But what he's saying here, notice the word he chooses to use, inherit. Paul is not saying that if you are a believer, a true believer, therefore you have been adopted by God, you can lose that. You can lose your justification. What he's saying is, if you are a person who continues to live in sin after coming to hear about Jesus and understanding the gospel, it's not that you've lost anything, it's that you never had it. No matter what people say about themselves, if they continue on in sin, we have to see they're not a child of God. If there's people in the room who say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but you are living according to some sinful way. Hear me. You are not a child of God. But you can be. Even today through repentance and faith. So a key thing there, Paul is not saying you can lose something. He's saying if you don't have the, if you don't have the desire to fight against what God calls sin, it's because you're not a child of God. And okay, so now, again, these two influences, the sin nature, which wants you to be enslaved, which wants you to wind up miserable, and the Holy Spirit of God who wants you to be free and wants you to uh, get a some fruit from your reward, fruit from your labors. We'll talk about that in a second. But it's so critical that we see when we submit, when we indulge the sin nature, when we give in to that sinful voice inside of us, we are going to be in slavery and, and we're going to be miserable because of it. And if we can't ever turn away from it, it's the clearest sign that we're not actually a child of God and we need to repent, we need to believe. Which, again, if you do that today, on Father's Day, God becomes your father. Okay, now let's talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Look at verse 22. So amazing. Verse 22, Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Here's what's so powerful and beautiful about this. Uh, the, The fruit of the Spirit is not the goal. It's the reward that we get for working hard to follow the Spirit's leading. We shouldn't see that list of things and say, okay, i got to be this. i got to be loving. i got to be joyful. i got to be peaceful. No, what we need to see is it's the fruit. It's the result. It's the reward that the Holy Spirit gives to us and does inside of us as we listen to his leading and follow him and fight against our sin. Consider the, the fact that uh, he, Paul uh, contrasts these two lists by, look at 19. In 19, he says these are the acts of the sin nature. But in 22, he says this is the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, in 19, he's saying these are the types of things that you will do if you give in to your sin nature. And then 22, these are the things the Holy Spirit of God will do in and for you as you seek to follow his leading. These are the things that will grow in our lives, in our church, and even in our city as we 
submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, when we believe this, that ultimately the reward we get for pursuing Christ likeness is Christ likeness. We become more like the one who's totally free. The more we fight against that sin nature inside of us, the more we follow the Spirit's leading, we grow in our Christ-likeness, and therefore all these other things appear around us as well, these fruit of the Spirit. And if we can believe that, if that sets in, or if we're reminded of it, it puts in us a desire to fight against that sin nature. In fact, to destroy it. Verse 24. Paul says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So in other words, the last time he talked about uh, crucifixion was 220. And he talked about, I have been crucified with Christ. And now he's saying, we who have been crucified with Christ, we know our old self is dead in what Christ has done. So now we can turn on it too. And we can crucify it. We can push it down. We can fight against it with every fiber of our being to stay out of the slavery that it wants us to be in. We put it to death. John Owen says, be killing your sin or your sin will be killing you. And it's so true. We have the power now because the Holy Spirit is inside of us to fight against and kill our sin nature. Paul puts it this way in Colossians 3, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly or your sinful nature. It says similar things. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Same thing there. Okay. Now, here's what's interesting also. These uh, passions and desires. Look back at 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. That word passions has a couple meanings. In one sense, in an objective sense, it means an influence. And in a subjective sense, it means hardship. And so what, in other words, what Paul is saying is because we've been crucified with Christ, we can crucify, we can put to death, we can fight against our sin nature, which is influencing us to do things that bring about hardship in our lives. I'm telling you. Now, uh, as Christians, we should expect suffering and there's good, righteous suffering that we suffer on account of our relationship with Christ, on account of people uh, rejecting us. That's not what we're talking about today. Today, we need to see that our sin nature is the cause of a lot of the misery that we're experiencing right now. So much of what is hard about our lives is is because of our own sin. It's because of our giving into our own sin nature. And here, this amazing news, what we're seeing is we have the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the fact that Christ has crucified us with him, We can turn and we can fight to the death against our sin nature and fight against the things that would lead us into slavery. That's why in verse 25, he says, since we live by the spirit, look at it, since we live by the spirit, that's where life really comes from. Let us keep in step with the spirit. In other words, as we seek to fight against our sin nature and follow the spirit's leading, instead, the result is in our life, we experience more love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Ironically, the very things that we're usually looking for when we go get into sin. Notice that Paul starts his list of the acts of the flesh with what? Sexual immorality. He starts his list of the fruit of the Spirit with what? Love. I'm sure like a lot of you, 
I'm sure like me, a lot of you in past have sought love in sexual immorality only to have your heart and another person's heart and maybe several people's hearts completely shattered. If you haven't, it's only by God's grace. If you have, we're in the same boat. Now, seeing that, seeing that these things we actually want in our life, love, joy, peace, patience, we can't get them from sin, seeing that it's, it's really, uh, it's, they, they, are, they are a gift, they are the fruit of the Spirit's work in our lives. And as we listen to Him, as we follow the Holy Spirit, as in other words, as we believe the gospel, and as we seek to obey, trust and obey, like the old hymn says, the harder we work, the more fruit we'll see. The Spirit will reward our work. As we pursue Christ's likeness, He will make us like Christ by His power, through the Word, through the ordinary means of grace, the preaching of the Word, prayer, the administration of the sacraments. And I want to also say that it's, it's so, this is why it's so important that we are worshiping together, that we're corporately pursuing Christ's likeness. This is why it's so important that you're in a life group, so that in a smaller group, you're as a group pursuing Christ's likeness. And this is why it's important for you to have a devotional life so that you are by yourself or in your family pursuing Christ-likeness. When we call you to these things, it's because we know, we see in Scripture, this is where freedom really is. We get these wonderful things through our trust in Christ and our pursuit of Christ-likeness by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's why, again, he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And then look at 16. This is amazing. He started this whole thing by saying, but I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, which once again means it's not ultimately up to us. It's the Spirit's work, which is why all glory goes to God, not only for our deliverance from the penalty of sin, but even when we are gaining power over sin, it still is all credit to Christ. So that's why we need to call each other corporately in groups and even individually to holiness. We're basically saying, let's be free. And it's powerful. And I'm telling you, um, I've, I've seen it in this happen in me. I've seen this happen in so many of you. And I just I'm watching it happen right now. Uh, there's a man that I've been able to um, uh, be able to spend some time with recently. And when I met him, uh, he, uh, his life was completely destroyed. He used to have a good job and he had a fiance and a car and he had a, a future planned out and he gave in over and over to the sin nature that said, uh, alcohol is precious. And it destroyed his life. And so today he is homeless, has absolutely nothing, lives in the woods and uh, is still an alcoholic. And so anyway, we had this I had the absolute pleasure of getting to know him. And uh, as we were meeting week by week and I was teaching him uh, basically all the same things that we've been talking about here on Sunday mornings, um, he was kind of having a hard time believing that. It's really about believing and then trusting that the Holy Spirit's in you and obeying. But I kept calling him. I kept saying, look, you know that alcohol has destroyed your life. And now I'm telling you, if you believe that Jesus did what he did for you, the Holy Spirit's inside of you so you can fight. And then oh, just a couple weeks ago, it was like it was so amazing. He came. We sat down where we normally meet. He's just kind of in a good mood. And I said, hey, what's going on? How, how are you doing? And he said, Sober six days. First time he'd gone more than 30 or 40 hours without a drink in over a decade. 
Now, drinking isn't a sin, but alcohol abuse, drunkenness obviously is. Paul mentions it. So here's this man uh, who trusted Christ for deliverance from the penalty of sin and then trusted that Jesus would uh, overpower the sin nature in him. And he's standing there in front of me. And what do you think I see dripping all over him? Love for this God who is delivering him from this thing that was killing him. Joy. I can really change. Peace. Patience. And so on and so forth. That is the power of the Almighty God. This is what happens when we trust and obey, trusting that we're seeking to obey to be free. Because for freedom, Christ has set us free. So, my beloved, let's be free. Let's be free. Let's pray. Father, uh, we just uh, praise your name. We lift up to you uh, ourselves as broken and weary sinners who need your grace, who need your love. Jesus, fill us with your spirit and give us the courage, give us the uh, strength by the power of your Holy Spirit to listen to your spirit. Help us to trust that what you are calling us to is true freedom and help us to believe that that sin nature is always going to lead us to destruction, but your spirit will always lead us to you. Make us like you, uh, first and foremost for your glory, also so that we can enjoy you and also so that we can take this good news to people who don't know it. Use us. Continue to transform us, we pray in Jesus' powerful, powerful, powerful name. Amen.